0: Welcome to the marvel of mind-body medicine. Over the next hour, you will learn about your own healing superpowers and how to access them. The latest in epigenetics meets ancient wisdom. Your hosts are Dr. Laura Stuve, a molecular biologist who mapped the human genome, and Dr. Janet Galipo, a doctor of Chinese medicine who has traveled the world to ensure all have access to healthcare. These sought-after practitioners and instructors of science-based, intuitive medicine want to emphasize your body has answers.
1: Welcome to the marvel of mind-body medicine. I am Dr. Janet Galipo. And I'm Dr. Laura Duvet.
2: And we're excited to be with you on Voice America, sharing our years of expertise in mind-body medicine and offering you transformative tools to help you heal. Today, we're honored to have Lynn McTaggart as our guest, an award-winning and internationally best-selling author of seven books, including The Field, The Intention Experiment, The Bond, and The Power of Eight. So Lynn's work examines this incredible frontier between science and spirituality. She's been consistently voted one of the top 100 spiritual leaders in the world for her groundbreaking work with consciousness and the power of thoughts. She's a pioneer in the science of intention, and she's moved on to be the architect of global experiments on intention. We're really looking forward to our conversation today to talk about the new science she describes on the power of our thoughts and intentions and how you can harness them to heal yourself and those around you. So I want to personally share that Lynn has been one of my heroes for many years. I shared in the last episode about my career change from a senior director of a genetics research lab to working in the area of mind-body medicine. So while everyone thought I was crazy making this career change, I needed to satisfy my inner scientist. And so I sought out books that explained the science behind the work that I was doing. How does energy medicine work? And in this search, I found answers in your book, The Field, Lynn, which I shared with my students, everyone I knew. I use quotes from your books on my slides from my very first uh, practitioner training where I was training new practitioners, and I still use quotes from your books today because you make the sophisticated and complicated science of biophysics and the quantum realm accessible to the everyday person. I feel this is essential for energy healers to help them understand what they're doing in their work and it inspires their curiosity to learn more about the science of energy medicine. The rigorous research that you've documented and later performed working with pioneering scientists around the globe has provided incredible validation to the work that Janet and I do, and to the work that millions of alternative healthcare practitioners and people that seek their energy-based solutions for chronic disease. So I'm going to segue now into the first question for you, Lynn. So in your books, The Field, The Intention Experiment, The Bond, and The Power of Eight, you've written about the new science you've discovered. Can you share with our listeners, what is this new science?
3: Well, we live by the story that we've been told. And Joan Didion once said, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. And one of the biggest stories we tell ourselves is our scientific story. It explains who we are and also essentially how we're supposed to live. Now, the prevailing scientific story is more than 300 years old, I guess getting up to 400 years, and it is the work of Isaac Newton who described a very well-behaved universe of fixed objects, and fixed and separate objects, operating according to fixed laws in time and space. So these very well behaved and separate objects included us. Then that, those ideas, while brilliant in helping to create the industrial revolution, also essentially ripped us out of the heart of our world. And that was augmented by the work of Charles Darwin who essentially was uh, influenced by theories of population explosion of his day and believed there isn't enough to go around, so life must proceed through struggle. He didn't coin the term survival of the fittest, but some of his friends who acted essentially as PR agents for him um, popularized the term. And that whole idea of individualism And then competitive individualism, you know, it's us against them, life is war, that's the Darwinian view, um, really created our sense of competitive individualism and also our materialistic view of the body as essentially a cluster of electricity and chemical signaling. The new science, and by new, I mean something that's more than 100 years old, the quantum science shows a very different universe, a universe where things are energy, everything is energy. We are, at our nethermost level, subatomic packets of energy, trading energy with everything else in the world, and... So we are all energy, and we also know from quantum um, experiments that subatomic particles, once in contact, are always in contact. Um, that's called non-locality or entanglement, a lovely, almost poetic term. And we also know that subatomic things aren't an actual anything yet. They're a potential of something. So to visualize this, think of chairs in an auditorium. A subatomic particle occupies one chair, but it doesn't in its in its superposition state just occupy one chair. It occupies every chair in the auditorium all at the same moment. That's all possible selves. So it's in this total potential state of all possible selves, and the only thing that collapses it is the observation or measurement of an observer. This has been demonstrated, and so has non-locality by many scientists. In fact, one of them just won a Nobel Prize. So we know that this weird world of the quantum happens in the world of the tiny, but scientists believe there are two worlds. There's the science of the tiny and another rule book for the sticks and stones visible world. We are now discovering that those lines are really blurred and that big um, everyday objects, for instance, the biggest molecules in the world are also in a state of superposition. We know that things like photosynthesis, one of the most important changes and important processes in the planet where inside plants, sunlight is converted into oxygen. We need photosynthesis to be alive. That is created by a a quantum process. So we're understanding there's not two rule books, but there's one rule book of all of life. And the really big point for your work is that not only are we energy, energetic system, but our thoughts are part of that too. And thoughts are trespassers that can go outside of our brains. They're not housed in our brains, but they can, they can essentially leak out of our bodies and affect other people and things. And I've demonstrated that with 40 intention experiments.
2: Yeah, um, we're going to be coming back to this your incredible work on these thoughts, these trespassers in a moment, but I'm gonna turn it over to Janet now um, to to ask the next, next question here.
1: So Lynn, I have been a fan of yours since the early 1990s when I opened my Chinese medicine practice in Miami. Of course, in those days, most people thought that the practice of acupuncture was a little unusual, all those needles and mysterious diagnoses. It was a great comfort to me to receive your newsletter, What the Doctors Don't Tell You. Every month at my clinic, I would pore over all the articles. In your articles, you would question the safety and effectiveness of remedies given for common ailments and recommend proven alternatives for treating many illnesses. And I learned so much. So what the doctors don't tell you is a publication still read by many thousands of people. Why do you think this is so important to put out there in the world?
3: Thank you so much for being a long-term subscriber. Uh, Our newsletter as it was at the time was uh, started, it was founded in 1990 and it's now an international magazine in 15 languages. Um, We started it, we converted it into a magazine in in 2012. I think it's more important than ever because over the 32 years that we've been publishing, uh, now it's, I guess, coming up to 33 years, what we've discovered is that mainstream medicine and also mainstream media are far less um, open-minded about alternatives And now in the mainstream media, there are attacks on any systems that question or are different from um, conventional medicine. And as conventional medicine has ever more drugs with ever more side effects, the clampdown is even more. There's clampdowns in social media. Um, Facebook was told by both the US and the British government um, to close down any alternative views about COVID, for instance. And we know this from papers that were um, uncovered and distributed um, from the British government. Um, There was, clear, and that was from the, the British health secretary. So we know that this has gone on and we see it in mainstream media. While there used to be debates, so I would be periodically wheeled on to one of the television shows to offer the alternative view, and it would be listened to very carefully too and and, and allowed. Now there is no alternative voice. So our voice becomes even more important because we sit in what we like to call the sensible middle. You know, we're not out there with you know, crazed conspiracy theorists. We're always operating from scientific evidence. And that was never truer than during COVID. We needed to provide what was not being provided, which were the job of a journalist to question what a government is doing, to ask facts, to dig deep, to find out um, if there are safety issues, if, the government's policies were necessary, all of those things and that we did. And our subscribers recognize that about the only place where they're going to hear the full truth about conventional medicine and also what works and what doesn't work in alternative medicine is through us.
1: Thank you so much, very um, essential work. Now I'm going to uh, turn it over to Laura. So uh, we've got a break coming up, but I
2: want to go back to where we were just a moment ago when you started to tell us about the power of thoughts and the power of intentions. And I want to bring that into the conversation of Uh, Back to entanglement, what is the science of distant healing? So Janet and I did our first research study looking at chronic pain, and we used distance treatments to actually blind people as to whether they were receiving a treatment or not. And we know that people in the treatment group reported to us, no one in the control group, they could feel energy moving and warmth in their body in their areas of pain during these treatments. And we have moved since the beginning of the pandemic to do exclusively distance treatments just because of, you know, we've all been in lockdown. So we'll start this conversation and we'll come back after our break. Can you take this, this quantum science of entanglement and tell us how that speaks to your work demonstrating how remote healing works?
3: Let me tell you about an intention experiment we did that we ran six times that demonstrates this very clearly. In 2007, I believe it was, Dr. Gary Schwartz and I, he from the University of Arizona, a noted psychologist who also had a consciousness laboratory there, we decided to do a series of experiments on seeds. His laboratory prepared 30 seeds uh, each with four samples. So there were four samples of 30 seeds each, labeled A, B, C, D. I was traveling to Sydney, Australia, to give a talk in front of about 800 people. I used them as my intenders. I asked them to choose one of the four sets of seeds. I had photographs of all four, and they chose, let's say, seeds A. I didn't tell the scientists which ones we were, we were intending for. I then uh, had the, the group, my audience, send an intention to these seeds. Once we were done, told the scientists, okay, we're done. Didn't tell them which seeds we sent intentions to. They planted them, and five days later, they measured them. It turned out that the seeds sent intention, when I finally unblinded the study, grew significantly higher than c- controls. We ran that experiment five more times in different locations, always away from the seeds. So in Rhinebeck, New York, in South Carolina, in Dallas, Texas, in Los Angeles, and with my audience scattered around the globe, just doing it on the internet. Every single time, seed scent intention grew significantly higher than controls. Here's the interesting piece of this. Number one, we were not near the seeds. We were in Sydney, Australia. The seeds were in Tucson, Arizona, thousands and thousands of miles away. Plus, we weren't sending intention to the seeds. We were sending intention to a photograph of the seeds, mm-hmm. a symbolic representation of the seeds. Nevertheless, we still had an effect. So that to me demonstrates about the, the type of psychic internet, that can get created with an intentional thought. And so this is something more than non-locality. This is like a collective non-locality, creating this large effect from group intention. And I've seen that, as you say, you work remotely. All of my Power of Eight groups in the main work remotely over something like Zoom, and never more so than during lockdown. Um, we, in my cl- Power of Eight Intention Masterclass and my other classes, I put people into groups, but via Zoom, and they meet via Zoom for a whole year in the case of the Masterclass. And yet we have amazing healing effects. So these are demonstrations, consistent demonstrations, that we are connected, that we are non-locally
2: connected And we're just going to segue to the break and then we'll be back to talk about this psychic internet.
5: Let me guess. It's already been three weeks into the new year. You've already crashed, given up, and you're resorting back to your comfortable routine. Do you feel like you need an injection of energy, optimism, and a general lifestyle intervention? Learn why your stress mindset matters for your health. Join our free sell and Soul Circle Tuesday, January 24th. Each month, we'll meet to share practical, accessible tips, vibrant health boosters, and an opportunity to see a live Body Intuitive session in action. Register now and you can be chosen for this month's live session, Tuesday, January 24th, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Register now at BodyIntuitive.org. Get the news on
6: our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com/forward/slash/voiceamericaTRN. Does it feel like something is wrong, but all your tests come back normal? Does your doctor downplay your symptoms? You've tried every medication, pill, detox tea, supplement, and you're still seeing no improvements. Your body has healing superpowers. Your body intuitive practitioner can find what's wrong. A body intuitive practitioner is waiting to unlock the story behind your symptoms. Register for your first body intuitive session today at bodyintuitive.org. Book by March 1st for 50% off on your first session.
0: Welcome back to the marvel of mind-body medicine. If you have questions for Dr. Janet and Dr. Laura or their guests, please email us at healing at bodyintuitive.org. That's healing at bodyintuitive.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. Laura. And before the break, we were
2: talking to Lynn McTaggart about her work on the new science that is really able to inspire a paradigm shift in healthcare.
1: So Lynn thank you so much and now I want to ask you what is the science behind our individual intentions. So before you dive in when you elaborate I I'm curious
2: what is the the nature of intention Is it energy, is it light, and where from a healer or an intender is this intention coming out? So if these thoughts don't stay in our heads and our bodies, where do they come from to get out into the world?
3: Okay, so this is a big question with a big answer. Um, From some of the studies that I've seen about intention, it is definitely energy, of various kinds. Some of the most compelling has come from Fritz, Dr. Fritz Popp, the, um, the late physicist from Freiburg, Germany, and also the University of Arizona working with uh, Dr. Popp's ideas. So Popp discovered that all living things emit a tiny current of light. He called them biophoton emissions. And he found that not only were we sending, human beings being one of the the beings that do have light too, but also receiving that these light emissions were being sent out and responded to synchronicitously. He also discovered that light is a, a communication system within the body so that if I put medicine on one hand, for instance, it would affect the light emissions there, but also the light emissions everywhere else. And he discovered and he tested and so did University of Arizona, looking at light emissions coming out of healers' hands. He used a special piece of equipment, a light-tight box, that would enable someone to put in something like a leaf or a hand or whatever and measure the biophoton emissions coming out of it, photon by photon. Not only measure it, but photograph it. So he had healers put their dominant hands into, and both hands actually, into this light type box and then ask them periodically to send healing. And he found that when they did so, the light coming from that dominant hand increased enormously. So healing definitely involves light. It also involves other energy. It's, there's been measurable increases in electromagnetic energy, in magnetic energy too. So our energy is emanating from us all the time and it increases with the power of intention. Is it coming from our heads? Well, the whole idea that we think is that thoughts are locked inside our skulls and that they thought equals brain. But the evidence demonstrates that we are having light effects even when the brain isn't operating and that those thoughts are never locked inside our skulls, are never locked inside our brains. They are, we have so many measurable demonstrations with my intention experiments, with other experiments, that thoughts are things that affect other things. So it at its basis, intention is light. But you see, I look at group intention more than anything else. I look at vast group intention with my intention experiments, and I look at small group intention with my power of eight groups, where I put people into groups of about eight and have them send healing intention to someone in the group with a health challenge. I have had two people get up out of their wheelchairs. In both instances, the first time they did a 10 minute group intention. One of them was paralyzed from the neck down. The other had multiple sclerosis. I've seen people cancel their surgery. One woman couldn't walk on a knee. Uh, It was wobbling all the time, and after her 10-minute intention, this also, a person who did it for the first time, she was able to do a deep squat, cancel her surgery. I've seen, I have a woman who reversed, she was going blind, she reversed it. Another woman who was going deaf, she reversed it. Other people who have reversed supposedly incurable genetic diseases. One of them, a woman called Lisa, who had an uh, antitrypsin um, deficiency. It was an enzyme deficiency in her liver and that rendered her liver probably a candidate for liver replacement. She had one 10 minute intention, felt energy all over her body, just as you're describing, and um, a subsequent meeting with two different doctors, two consultants, Um, demonstrated that her liver and spleen had gone back to normal size and she was essentially healed. So, and they wrote her letters to that effect. We have thousands of cases like this. So what's going on in these groups? Several things. It's not just the power of intention, although that is pretty huge and it does get supersized in a group. First of all, there's intention. Secondly, there are group effects. When we get together in a small group, you know, we, were, we are communal animals, essentially. We need community more than we need to br- breathe. We need to belong. It's really vital and essential to the human condition. When we're in a group, what occurs as the um, psychologist, the French psychologist, Emile Durkheim once put it, is there is a collective effervescence. So there's group effects. But a big piece here that's really important and almost never remarked upon is altruism. In a group, you are most of the time sending intention for somebody else. And then sometimes it's your turn. But if it's a group of eight, seven eighths of the time you're intending for one other member of the group. And that is incredibly healing. I've studied the science of altruism and I find that people who do things for other people, no matter how small, live longer, healthier, happier lives. This is the case in volunteers. This is the case with people who have one condition and help other people with the same condition. They are more likely to heal. And what I have seen over and over again both in the big intention experiments and the small power of eight groups are, when people do something for someone else, their life heals. So in my intention experiments, I survey the people who have participated after every experiment to find out what it was like for them. And about a third to 40% of people every single time who have a condition report their condition is much improved or it is cured. 40%. I also find that other aspects of their life heal. Their lives become more peaceful. Their lives become more coherent. They forgive their estranged partner. They get along better with their boss. All of those kinds of things. I also see it in my power bait groups. So many people have healed who were the senders in a particular situation and in a particular group intention. So in a sense, it almost doesn't matter whether they're senders or receivers, they are receiving. So group intention is this amazing virtuous circle that heals everybody involved. And it's never more important than now when a recent study showed one in four Americans have absolutely no social contact. One in four. Now, the isolation we have all over the West is shocking
1: and damaging. Wow. So what exactly have you been measuring in your intention experiments and your power of eight groups?
3: Okay, we've measured loads of things. So I mentioned to you seeds. Can we make seeds grow faster? We measured them in centimeters. Um, we measured water. Can we purify it? We measured that by looking at pHs before and afterward. And we ran a batch of them we we, we ran experiments seeing if we could lower the pH and whether we can raise the pH. And of course, raising the pH, purifies water more, but we were playing around with it and we've had effects. We tried to lower violence, both in war-torn areas and in violent areas. For instance, the most violent place in America, which happens to be St. Louis, Missouri, an area, a particular area of St. Louis. Um, We've done experiments during wars. So we did an experiment with Sri Lanka in the midst of a civil war And with those kinds of experiments, we're measuring uh, statistics, injuries and deaths, or in the case of a violent area like St. Louis, we're measuring violent crimes um, before and after our intention. So let's take the St. Louis one, because that is the cleanest and clearest indication of an effect. St. Louis, as I say, is one of the most violent places in America, and the most violent area of it is a section there called fairground. It's a a particular part of St. Louis. So what we did was we got police statistics of three years worth of violent crime and property crime from three years before our experiment and then six months afterward. And we particularly looked at St. Louis as a whole property crime and violent crime, and then Fairground, that neighborhood, I said that's the most violent of all, before and afterward. I worked with my audience for six days, each day holding a 10 minute intention to lower violence in St. Louis. Afterward, and with all of these statistics, we worked with Dr. Jessica Utz, who is a noted professor of statistics at the University of California, and an expert in statistical analysis of consciousness research. She looked at the six months afterward compared to the six months uh, three years before. Both violent crime and property crime in St. Louis as a whole and Fairground had been on a total upward trajectory before our intention. Afterward, violent crime and property crime in St. Louis as a whole continued to go up and so did property crime in fairground. But violent crime, the focus of our intention, went down by 43%. So that's an example of what we were measuring in actual bodies. We did the same with two Southern provinces in Afghanistan. Um, We did it for one of the anniversaries of 9-11. I invited both Americans and Westerners and Arabs, from all the different Arab Gulf states to take part in this experiment, we did an intention to lower violence in the two um, most su- southernmost um, provinces, which were essentially the headquarters of the Taliban. And <clears throat> afterward, I got this, this data from both the UN and a German general who was one of the heads of the NATO combined forces. This was back in 2011 when the war was raging on and we were part of it in America and else and Britain and Europe. And we found that compared to other areas that those two provinces had the greatest lowering of violence of anywhere. So we've had those kinds of results, extraordinary results. Um, And we continue to measure all kinds of things. We most recently did four experiments, one of which was um, the US inauguration, doing an intention to keep it peaceful. Uh, And the measurement we took was the measurement we did with numerous other experiments for Healing Beirut, for instance, after that that explosion there and also after George Floyd and all of the violence there. Um, We had our audience um, focus on some equipment in St. Petersburg, Russia. And the reason we had them do the intention, but also while they were doing it, look at this equipment created by Dr. Konstantin Korotkov, noted Russian physicist who has created equipment also to measure and capture um, biophoton emissions by other means than Dr. Pop. And we found incredible effects every single time on this equipment, which is again, thousands of miles away. So the intention experiments we did were impossible to quantify. You know, we couldn't quantify are we stopping violence from occurring in the inauguration because it didn't occur. You know, we, we have no way of showing that we had an effect. We had no way of showing that we had an effect in Beirut, although there was a lot of help that occurred after our intention. Did we do this? We can't prove it. But what we can demonstrate is we had these huge effects on the machines. The machine wow. in in uh, Russia thousands of miles away from everybody with all of those people who are participating participating individually in front of their computer screen
1: Wow, that's really very beautiful work. Uh, we talk about world peace, but you know, when we see work like this, it, it, it's something that's real, that that's actually happening. It's within our potential, so it's very beautiful. So, I think we're about ready to go to a break. Yes,
2: so we'll be back after this short commercial break, following on with this engaging conversation with Lynn McTaggart. Mm-hmm.
0: We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are at home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work.
5: Let me guess it's already been three weeks into the new year. You've already crashed, given up, and you're resorting back to your comfortable routine. Do you feel like you need an injection of energy, optimism, and a general lifestyle intervention? Learn why your stress mindset matters for your health. Join our free Cell and Soul Circle Tuesday, January 24th. Each month we'll meet to share practical, accessible tips, vibrant health boosters, and an opportunity to see a live body-intuitive session in action. Register now and you can be chosen for this month's live session, Tuesday, January 24th, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Register now at bodyintuitive.org.
6: Does it feel like something is wrong, but all your tests come back normal? Does your doctor downplay your symptoms? You've tried every medication, pill, detox tea, supplement, and you're still seeing no improvements? Your body has healing superpowers. Your body intuitive practitioner can find what's wrong. A body intuitive practitioner is waiting to unlock the story behind your symptoms. Register for your first body intuitive session today at bodyintuitive.org book by march 1st for 50 percent off on your first session
0: welcome back to the marvel of mind body medicine if you have questions for dr janet and dr laura or their guests please email us at healing at bodyintuitive.org that's healing at bodyintuitive.org now back to the show
2: so welcome back, everyone. Before the break, we heard Lynn McDagger describing her amazing work with her intention experiments and the incredible impacts on both the intenders and the receivers. And now I want to weave in the implications of this for our model of healthcare. So... In your books, you describe the mirror effect, this altruism, uh, you know, a group of intenders not only heal the, the person receiving the intentions, but they have powerful healing and change in their lives as well. So as healthcare practitioners, how can we harness this altruistic mirror effect to make a difference? It's funny you ask that because I
3: actually do a course called Become a Better Healer with the Power of Eight for healthcare practitioners, whether conventional or alternative. And one of the things that I teach them is put your patients in a group. Have them do Power of Eight groups together because that will augment the healing. When people help other people, particularly with the same condition, they're more likely to heal. So I would say that that is really important. The other important thing is to be very intentional in your thoughts and words. There have been studies demonstrating a 61% difference in outcome between patients whose doctor said, yeah, we, we can handle this, This drug or whatever, this procedure is definitely going to take care of things compared to someone who says, I don't know. We'll try this and see if it works. So 61% difference in outcomes. So your thoughts and words are as important as any treatment you give in healing that patient. And their thoughts and words are also instrumental to them healing. So... What I have to say for most practitioners, if I were to say one thing is suspend any ideas about prognosis. Absolutely get rid of it. You cannot know. No one can know how somebody is going to respond to the challenge of healing.
2: Thank you for that. Excellent guidance. Janet, do you want to follow up with the next question? We have a lot of questions,
1: but <laughs> we have limited time. So we have to, we have to choose our questions. Um, so here's a question for you. Can intention override lifestyle choices or even inherited traits?
3: Intention can definitely override inherited tra- traits. I've seen that with many, many, many people with so-called genetic diseases. Um, Lifestyle choices are another kind of intention too. If I choose to feed my body with junk and go to McDonald's every day or every week, um, all of my intentions are not going to necessarily override that because that's all about thinking too. What I teach my students in all of my classes is every thought you have essentially is an intention. It's not just the one thought you have in the morning with your meditation. You've got 70,000 thoughts a day, and most of the time they're negative. And so that's one of the things I show both practitioners and students of mine, which is how to police your your thoughts and make your, your thoughts much more intentional. And so lifestyle choices, like <clears throat> I'm gonna be a couch potato, But I can intend for my body to get better. While there are studies demonstrating that thinking about exercise is about half as good as doing exercise, you can still build up your muscles with your thoughts. I always put together the two sides of my work and say, you know, healthy body and healthy intentions. So
1: you had your hit book, the intention experiment. And as you've described this inspired thousands across the globe to participate in your, so like a worldwide healing project. Um, can you say a little more, we, we were talking about the uh, Israeli uh, Palestinian uh, experiment. Can you say a little bit more about that?
3: Sure. Um, I got together uh nine groups of people in conference rooms to participate in one experiment. Um, Jerusalem was suffering from a lot of violence. So I asked Arabs from eight different cities to meet in conference rooms and we put cameras in there using special equipment and a special broadcasting device. The ninth camera was put in an auditorium of Israeli Jews. They carried the intention together and I was able via this equipment to speak to them, and they were able to speak to each other. Prior to the experiment, they were barely speaking, the Arabs and the and the Jews. Afterward, they were love bombing each other. They were sending out love. They were saying, "Your God is my God," and so forth. I found the same thing happened when I did a similar experiment, but invited Arabs and Westerners, and it wasn't it was. Uh, for one of the anniversaries of nine eleven, when we did intention to lower violence in, in Afghanistan, afterward there was this extraordinary effect on the participants too. Love bombing each other, the Arabs and the Americans saying, "Americans saying we forgive you for nine et etc. So, one of the the big outcomes, you know, while it's very f- interesting our effect on plants and water and violence, the biggest effect is the major change on the participants. And for me, that is really important because it radiates out into the whole community. When people are more peaceful in their lives as a result of participating, that affects everybody they're in contact with, which affects everybody else they're
1: in contact with and so forth. Beautiful. Well, Lynn, this has been so wonderful. And, you know, each week we share a tip of the week. Do you have one to share with our listeners today? Absolutely. My
3: tip, if I were going to give anything, would be find yourself a group and carry out a Power of Eight together. Find yourself and create a Power of Eight group. You can do so on my community for free. Just advertise that, you've got this time zone and create a group and you'll find that it is a fast track to the miraculous, not only for you, but also for your community. Because one thing I'm providing now are free tools for these groups to use in their community, tools for a new world. Uh, Because what I feel is what I call the eight revolution, Pulling all of these groups of eight together is enough of a little army of change makers to change the world.
1: Beautiful. Yeah. Listeners, our guest today has been Lynn McTaggart, and we've been talking about her groundbreaking work in intention and healing. Thank you so very much for being on the program today, Lynn. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners about where people can find you?
3: Absolutely. They can find me for all kinds of tools on intention, on our eight-lip revolution, the tools for a new world, and all of my courses and retreats on lynnmctaggart.com. Great.
1: Thanks so much, Lynn. We hope to see you again. Yeah, thank you, Lynn. That was wonderful. Wow, that was really inspiring. It it really makes me remember the early days of our immune tune, right? So we've also seen the power of working uh, with group healing. Yes, that
2: the synergy of the group effects uh, is, as Lynn described, just beyond anything that we could imagine. And we just want to share... Um, our experience in this area to integrate it into ways mind-body practitioners can utilize the uh, understanding that that Lynn described. So at the beginning of the pandemic lockdown, we all remember March 2020, um, for about a year, Janet and I hosted weekly group sessions. So they were online, obviously, we were all Zooming it. And um, janet and i are the the healers uh in this case but we we invited anyone in the community to join us weekly for free because everyone was kind of surfing the same landscape living through the stresses of the time isolation lockdowns restrictions needing to completely change our lives lots of loss health challenges and in this group setting we did mind-body balancing for the participants and the participants were able to send their their healing intentions to everyone in the group. And this was very powerful work. Janet, do you want to share some of the feedback we got from the group participants of this uh, Immune Tune uh, weekly work?
1: Yeah, I mean it was really great to follow people from week to week and and many times, you know, it would start with with one person in the house, like it would usually be the mom, you know, was tuning in on a weekly basis. And then the kids would join and then finally that, you know, the husband would come in and then it became a kind of family event. And, you know, I think it was it was one thing that people felt that they could do to kind of keep themselves sane during this time period, you know, especially during the initial lockdown when we were uh, so isolated and it had, you know, energy Uh, techniques to, to work to keep the immune system strong. It also had other tips. And we received so many, you know, emails and, and feedback that, you know, this was really, really, really helpful during this uh, time. So, so yeah, so we knew it was great. We ran it for what, about a year, a year and a half. Yes, we did. uh, Until things started opening up. Yes. And we'll be saying more
2: about our group work through our series. And if you would like to experience some of that, I'm inviting everyone to our free monthly offering, our Cell and Soul Circle. You can attend the live webinar on Tuesdays. You can sign up at our website, bodyintuitive.org. You can see an individual session and you can you can be part of these uh, body intuitive healing groups as we all do mind body balancing together. Um, You can also catch the recordings if you are unable to join us live. So. I'm Dr. Laura, and we'd like to thank you all for joining us today on the marvel of mind body medicine with our incredible guest, Lynn McTaggart.
1: Yes, and I'm Dr. Janet. And please remember, have hope your body has answers. So we'd love you to join
2: us next week. We're going to host another incredible thought leader in our field, Dr. Dawson Church, a PhD molecular biologist, and he's going to share the fascinating science about how how our mind and our belief systems and our emotions impact our health
1: and what we can do about it. Yes, and in the meantime, you can find us at www.bodyintuitive.org. All right, thanks everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Marvel of Mind Body Medicine. It's our mission to remind you that your body wants to heal. Join us again next week. Be well, and remember, your body has answers. We'd like to share a special thank you to our friends, Flying Mystics. If you enjoyed their music as much as we do, You can find them at flyingmystics.com. That's www.flyingmystics.com.